0: I want to give you some, an acronym. And I think they'll have it up here, if you will. It's IWW, IWW, IWI. Now, if you're wondering what's an acronym, an acronym is a, an abbreviated form of words together. So SM4 is a acronym, Santa Maria Foursquare. But this one is rather interesting because it's rather popular, at least in some circles today. You want to know what it means? Yeah. Yes, okay, well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> you can respond. It's okay. It's, it's legal. And uh, even in church to talk as well. <clears throat> but what it means is, I want what I want when I want it. Oh. Yeah, of course. Got it. And I was interested in a, in a uh, periodical magazines called Psychology Today, because if you're not aware, I do a lot of counseling with people and so forth like that. And I was reading in there, and I was curious to see if they had anything on this. And they did. And here's what the author said. It's this pressure to, liver, to deliver sooner and sooner that is a defining aspect of our lives the role and value of instant gratification is nothing new. But the word instant might be changing a bit. Here's the example. Somebody, a company you all know. Amazon. What are they doing? They're upping their game to make next day delivery the standard for all Prime members. Woohoo! yeah, okay. The pressure is on Amazon to deliver, but it's also on other conventional retailers who are less nimble or flexible when it comes to shipping. A few years ago, two-day shipping was the big news. Today, it's one day. But lurking behind the reality of instant gratification is something perhaps more satisfying, or even more disturbing. Second acronym. It won't be up there, though. Changing one letter, and it puts it this way. I want what I want before I want it. And again, Amazon. There seems to be an app for that, by the way. Check it out. Not now. But at least there's a patent toward it that's been approved. Several years ago, Amazon received a patent for a methodology that combines a predictive computer model with its vast transportation network. Basically, they predict your next order and send it on its way to just ahead of your click or order. Whoa. That's blowing my mind, so that's fine if it blows yours. Amazon calls this anticipatory shipping and may take us from the world of I want what I want when I want it to I want what I want uh, before I want it. And that's what they're wanting to move toward. Now, say, well, okay, what does that all have to do with anything out of the Bible here today? We'll get there, okay? Hang with me. But I want you to see a culture that you and I live within that views life needing to be something we are owed something. I should have this. I should have it this way. I remember one of the uh, uh, burger places and all, one of their advertisements uh, was, used to be at least, that uh, you can have it your way. And we've had different thoughts and ideas presented to us and around us. So what does that have to do for you and me, and what about the Bible, and what about God? Well, sometimes we can allow our culture to shape how we approach God. Come on, God. Get with it. Come on. Answer the prayer. I prayed. Come on, Jeannie. I mean, excuse me. God. You know, you ought to cough it up. Let's go. Let's get the thing done. What's supposed to be done here? And our approach that way, and few of us, few of us, I doubt, would ever come along and say, yeah, that's my idea. That's my thought. That's what I want to do. I want God to do what I want him to do when I want him to do it. But yet, how we begin to approach God can make a world difference, which in turn has a second byproduct. And that's how we approach each other as well. Let's pray. Jesus, we bow before you. We're so thankful for your word. We're thankful that it speaks to us today. Lord, sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's even confusing. And sometimes it mystifies us. But, oh, Lord, it has so much wealth of your heart and your love and your compassion And your desire and intent for us to walk in and live out. As we seek to open up our hearts to your word this morning, speak to us out of it, Lord. Do more than any words that I could offer. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come and speak to each of us a unique word that speaks into our lives right now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So let me give you kind of a weird title there. Out of that preface, my title is this. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Now let me start with a contrast, though. Contrast is with Jesus. Out of a verse that you all know, I think most likely, and it's John 3.16. In the New Living Translation, it puts it this way. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now that's a marvelous verse. Perhaps most of all of us know it or have heard it at least at one time or another. But what's it saying? Part of what it's communicating is that Jesus wanted to come and honor his father in what he wanted done. Now I want to submit to you four ways that Jesus did that number one is this by obedience to choose to love a people that didn't care about him say where do you get that Gary I get it out of Romans chapter 5 verse 8 where it talks about the fact that even while we were yet sinners Christ died for us when I wasn't thinking about God when I didn't care about God when I didn't even want to hear anything about God, perhaps, in my life. God had already sent his son to die on the cross without my permission. You know, he didn't ask my permission to do that. He just simply said, I'm going to show you I love you, whether you like it or not, because I love you. That's weird. <laughs> it's weird when you look into our culture, because that's not the way we are. We want to be, hey, do it the way my way here because my way is best. And God comes along and says, no, my way is better than yours. Check it out. So by obedience. Secondly, he did it by giving his best, and that was his life. That's what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lay down my life for you and give it. So by his giving, number three is by loving people unconditionally and by an act of his will. And you imagine the numbers of different people that he came in contact with, even in our reading time through Matthew. Matthew cites a lot of different types of peoples that he had exchanges with along the way. And yet Jesus loved every one of them, even those he had to correct or readjust their thinking. And uh, if you've read it, you know who those people were as well. But he loved people. He loved people. Even to the point that he's turning to a man who runs to him and says, please, Jesus, come to my house. My servant is dying or almost dead here. And uh, so Jesus says, okay, let's go. And they're on their way. But as they're going along their way, there's this little lady. She's been bleeding for many years. She spent her money on all the doctors and the cures that were present in that day. But she says something in her heart. We're not told, how did she learn this? How did she discover this? Why was she aware of it? Why was this motivating her in all? Except what she said in her heart was, if I can just, just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. My wife and I have a, a painting in our living room that depicts this, and all you see is from here down of feet, 30 feet. And you see this hand reach through and grabbing on to Jesus' coat. What does Jesus do? He stops everything. Now keep in mind, somebody's dying over here. This is urgent. I need to have this done. They may be gone, and then you can't do anything, as far as their thinking was. But Jesus stops everything and said, who made a demand upon my ability? Who sought to draw something out of me? He said, I felt it. And of course, the disciples, in all their brilliance, said, "Um, Jesus, everybody's touching you. (laughs) But this was unique. But what does Jesus do? He turns. He says, so who was it? Finally, the lady shyly comes forward, not wanting to make a big deal about the whole thing. She was just simply wanting to exercise faith in who this guy was and believe him to make a difference in her life. (coughs) But but Jesus, he wanted to minister this woman not only in the physical, but also in her soul. (coughs) And if you'll recall what she said, or he said to her, he says, daughter. Why is that significant? Because this woman was an outcast. Okay, by Jewish tradition and law, she was unclean. And therefore, nobody be around her, nobody touch her, nobody uh, connect with her in any way, one way or the other way. And and he stopped and says daughter to this woman. The love of Jesus extends out to people, is without reservation. Perhaps some of us could say something similar about how we came to Jesus too, that the love of Jesus just reached out to us and said, hey, I want you. I want to do something in your life that makes a difference in you and through you. So by his obedience, by his giving, of his best, by loving people, and fourth, is by serving people at their point of need. Like feeding the 5,000. Oh, hey, thank you, Frank, I appreciate that. Healing the sick, cleansing the leper. Again, a leper was an outcast. You know, you, you didn't get around, you, you may get it. And so you're, you're outside everybody else. And so we, you can't associate with those kind of peoples. Or he cares enough about people. Catch this with me, would you? He cares enough about people to serve them by making sure they have enough wine at a wedding. Wow. Now, if you want to debate the whole wine aspect and so forth, um, I'll have you talk to my attorney later. But anyway. But I want to use that as a backdrop of Jesus' example Because it may help us when we come to this portion of scripture that we read this week. And it's in Matthew chapter 20. And it's verse 20 to 28. And it's a mother, a dear Jewish mother, that had a request. And Jesus took the request and turned it into a teaching moment. Talk to you more about that in a moment as parents. Verse twenty says this: Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. Jesus said, "What's your request?" She replied, "In your kingdom, please let my sons sit in place of honor next to you—one on the right and the other on the left." Isn't that an interesting request. I don't mean that critically, it's just an interesting request, but I could hear a mom, hey, my boys are something, I mean, they, they got it, they got it together, and they deserve this, they should have this, and Jesus responds with this, but Jesus answered them by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink, oh yes, they replied, We're able. Pause. Um, What are you really asking of us? (laughs) What's this bitter cup you're going to drink? What does this look like? How much will it cost me? None of those questions were asked. I'm ready. Let's go. Boom. Here we are into it. And they're ready to go forward. But Jesus goes on. And he told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. That's an interesting thing and a good thing for you to consider sometime if you wanted to to study out. What are Father God's responsibilities? What are Jesus' responsibilities? What are the Holy Spirit's responsibilities according to Scripture? Interesting little one here. It's a little insight that we have about that. He goes on and he says, that, verse 24, Matthew continues, says, "When the 10 other disciples heard about James and John had what they had asked, they were totally joyful. No, they were ticked off. Yeah, I, no, indignant, excuse me, that's a better word to use. They were just mad. What do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? We've been here this whole time too. We've gone through all the message you have and all. And you think you're better than we are? I mean, I'm sure there was some heated conversations going on. How does Jesus respond? Verse 24. Excuse me, verse 25. But Jesus called them together. You know, I could almost imagine Jesus come on. "Yeah, hey, guys, get over here." And there was something commanding about the words of Jesus, I think, to these guys. They realized, okay, we need to zip it. And we need to get over with him. And here he comes, and here's what it says. You know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. They understood that. They knew Rome, and they also knew what was the the high priests and others of the Jewish sect that was involved, of how they would uh, bring out those kind of uh, responses out of people and those things. So he says, you recognize that, you're you're aware of that, you've seen it. Verse 26 starts with the word but. By the way, that's spelled B-U-T. Okay, just be clear. But I want you to consider when you're reading in the Bible... Anytime time the word but is used and the word therefore is used. They're always connecting words. And they're usually dependent upon whatever was previously said and it's trying to give either a contrast, a conclusion, or a direction out of it. Very important words to look for. I know they're small, they're, they seem to be insignificant, we kind of skip over them. But they actually are telling you something that's important to catch. In this situation, Jesus says... But among you, it will be different. Wow. You're going to be different guys. You're not the same. You're not just like everybody else. And that's true for you and me. We are not like everybody else in the world. And if we try our best to somehow fit in to what the world is like and how it sees things, how it processes things, and we think that that's okay, no, it's not. Because you're going to try to take and blend oil and water type of thing together. It doesn't mix. Oil is still going to float to the top. It's still going to be there, and you're going to see it, but it's not going to mix. Why? Because your values are different. The basis for who you are and what you do is different. Therefore, you're not going to be like the world. And sometimes the world's going to react to what they see because you're not conforming. You're not being like everybody else. You're not being what you're supposed to be. Get with the program. But Jesus goes on, and he says, verse 26 again, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Ouch. I don't know if that hits you a little bit, but every time I read that, there's something within me that says... I don't like that, but it's in the Bible, so i got to do it, you know. But he goes on, he says, gives the example. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let me break this down a little bit with you. I want you to notice something here. There's a mother that raises a question. And how Jesus deals with it is by teaching a lesson. Can I offer something to you as parents, particularly your younger kids, things like that? A suggestion to you is rather than your lecture with them or your hard hand, heavy hand on somebody, why don't you ask the Lord to help you learn it as a teaching moment with your kids? Okay, they messed up. They were wrong. Yes, they do need to be corrected, to be adjusted in, in not continuing to do that pattern. But more than that, let's deal with the heart and not just the action. So that's what Jesus came to do. He so said, let's deal with your heart and how your heart is responding in this situation and not just the action alone. So notice with me a couple of things in this portion real quickly. First of all, the disciples, they came to ask Jesus to do something for them. Here's what a servant does, and I think these will be up on the screen for you. A servant asks, what can I do for you? Very different. Jesus, I, God, I, I want you to do all of this for me, but Lord, what can I do for you? How can I minister that in another direction? Number two, the disciples ask for a great honor but a servant does this. servant does not need to be noticed. Again, that smacks in our culture. Culture is always about, hey, look what I've done, and give me some honor, and give me some pats on the back, you know? Yeah, I came in last place, but I still want a trophy. You know? And, you know, the whole process of how we try to conform to people's uh, egos, if I may say it that strongly, to us, that somehow my ego needs to get stroked and I need to be praised and I need to be told how great I am and all that. Yeah, you could do all those things. Do I think those things are wrong to be done? No, not at all. And I think that's a practice we should do with one another for valid uh, things that people do. Just like you know, acknowledging that was a beautiful worship time this morning. I know I said that already. But I just want to say it again to you, because it was, and all these people standing up here to offer themselves in service to the Lord and to you and I, at the same time, to say, join us as we enter into God's throne and worship him with all our hearts. That's what they came to do. But oftentimes in our world, it's all about being noticed. Look who I am. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look at the, the degrees or, or completions or whatever behind my name. That should indicate something to you that you need to give me respect. But a servant does not need to be noticed. And notice the optimum word in there is the word need. See, when I'm secure in Christ about it, he loves me, he's guiding my life, and he's directing me, I don't need to be noticed. Okay? Okay. Going on, number three, is the disciples were quick to say that they could pay the price for honor. But here's what a servant does. A servant takes serious what cost will be involved. Listen, you know, when you serve the Lord and you offer God your life, you're offering God your life. You don't hold something back and say, yeah, you can have all of this, but not this. I'll to go this far, God, but not here. No, it's all or nothing, folks. It really is. Your salvation, when you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, is free and clear. It didn't cost you a thing because the price was already paid by Jesus. But living for him will cost you everything. It really will. And that's not a bad thing. Because you need to understand that as you offer God all of you, he says, okay, I'm going to give you all of me at the same time. So you don't lose. You don't lose with God. He gives you all that he is and all that he offers and makes available to you. And a fourth thing. The disciples' question caused a, a lot of conflict within the disciples in their hearts. But here's what a servant does. A servant will not risk dishonoring his Lord by asking such questions. Wow. And they will think about the impact such a question will have on other people. See, it's about others. And somehow we think that Unless I grab for it, unless I seek for it, unless I request it, unless I try to really cause you to think how marvelous and wonderful I am, you'll never notice. But see, when you walk with Christ, you start noticing people in how they respond to God's call and who they are. And you begin to acknowledge those things and give them thanks like we did with our worship team. Like we did with our veterans. Like we've done with many other peoples within our culture, society, family, and all that. Why? Because that's what God does with you and me. And he turns to us and says, okay, you do it now to others. You serve others by acknowledging what they're able to do and what they've done to be a blessing to other people just a couple things more to notice in here one of the things he talks about here is about the Roman Gentile rulers and the contrast of the Christian and Jews one of the things he uses the word in here he says the Roman Gentile rulers they lord it over the people and the word lord it has to do with this it's an action word meaning to dominate control to gain or exercise power over somebody in other words, you can put it this way as well. The Gentiles sought to control the will and actions of the people with force and words. See, and Jesus says, that's not the way you need to function. And we'll explain why in a minute. He says, you don't have to function that way. The world can go do that their thing and all those kind of things, but that's not how you do this. As he turns to his disciples and talks to them. The road to greatness is going to be through service. Not a popular idea in our culture. If you want to be honored and great, then find the best way to serve in your home, on your job, in the church. Good place to plug Safari Kids. huh? <laughs> our greeters, our ushers, others as well that serve and faithfully minister. In so many ways how about our neighborhood ever thought about your neighbor that irks you and frustrates you that maybe you can pray and say lord is there a way i can serve this person and show them the love of god by doing so maybe or if you want to honor god and receive his honor of saying Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest, which is from the scriptures, by the way. You're going to need to ask the Lord how best to serve the people around you in your life. Which brings us back to a man named Jesus, who exemplifies that whole process by providing food when people are hungry, by providing help with finances to pay taxes. That's not a slam on anybody who hasn't paid theirs yet. Okay, gotcha. But uh, he comes along and says, hey, I want to help. He turns to Peter, says, hey, go down there, go fishing. And I'll first fish you you pull out and I'll look in its mouth and it's going to have a coin there, go pay our taxes. Jesus cares about the things of normal life as well. And as we learn to care about those things, God can use us to minister to people. He healed the sick, as we said. He saved the lost. He comforts those that are in pain and misery he washes people's feet. is that a great idea? No. Yeah. <laughs> it might smell. It might look bad. But that's what Jesus did. And he paid the price for our salvation by dying on the cross like a common criminal. Let me remind you of our reading in John 10 before that Jesus said very clearly, nobody takes my life. I lay my life down. Translated, it means this. Nobody killed Jesus. They didn't. Jesus laid his life down. Now, that'll take you a little bit to process that in your head. It's okay. That's fine. But if he did that willingly... There's a whole fulfillment of scripture from the Old Testament that that follows through with. That it needed to be a lamb in the Old Testament sacrifices that was willing. And Jesus laid down his life for you and me. God, what can I do to help other people? How can I lay down my life for others and minister to them? Let me kind of wrap this up with a story due to a lot of hurt from people and carrying a, a load of, of love for people and seeking to try to be of help to people. There was a pastor and uh, that went through a real mental breakdown in his life. It was rather severe at the time. And <clears throat> he went to a hospital. He was taken there and uh, taken in and ministered to in a variety of ways. When he returned back, It was felt that he shouldn't continue to go ahead and and pastor any longer in that place. And so he came along and he began, he was given another assignment to another church, went there to serve, not as a pastor, but just as one of the staff in that place. There was a time when he became very troubled over the whole situation. And he really came to the Lord in prayer and he said, Lord, you know, what's going on? What do I do to process all of this? There's so much inside of me that's just twirling and moving, and I don't get it, God. And the Lord spoke to him three things. Number one was, I brought you here to learn a lesson. And the lesson is this. You've learned what it's like to have people serve you as a senior pastor. Now it's time for you to learn what it is like to serve a senior pastor. And to remind you of your responsibility, number two, and to give honor to the senior pastor, you are to never call him by their first name only. Always use pastor before their name. Number three, you will learn how to serve this pastor even when you disagree with what you're asked to do. He was not told that he could not disagree, but he was to serve even when he might disagree about the way things We're done. That was 30 years ago for me. Those words were spoken to me. They were words that changed my life. And everything I do today is hopefully within the framework and the idea of, God, how can I be of service? I don't stand up here because I need to be honored. I don't stand up here before you today because I need a pat on the back. I don't, all those things, I stand up before you because I was asked to stand here and to give honor and praise to the Lord and to help us together process the word of God so that we can live it out in our lives. That's why I stand here. Somebody's likely gonna ask. You know, how do you serve someone when you disagree with them? Well, you do so this way. When you learn that your trust is in God to be in total control of your life. That's why you can do that. If leadership's wrong before God, I can trust God to correct them. And he will. I've been in those positions. God has done those corrections before in my life and adjustments, however you want to call it. I've eaten a lot of egg before. Coming before people and say, listen, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And taking that humble servant approach in what you do with people is part of the whole concept behind the idea of serving people because that's what Jesus did. That's what he's like. And I want to be like him when I grow up. You set your heart that Jesus gives us this beautiful story. Tumultuous, difficult, hard for some people. Difficult and all those things to try to figure it all out. Challenged by what was said. But Jesus lays it out and says, let's take this mess right now and let's turn it into a lesson that will be a life lesson for you that will guide you in how you live out your life in every way which brings me to a couple of questions for you and me this morning to offer to us to sincerely turn to God and say God where do you want me to serve and along with that, combined with that, that thought, is, how do you want me to serve? What's my motivation? What's my, the, the thing that drives me in doing what I'm doing? Lord, how do I do that? You may say, Gary, right now, I, I, I really can't serve with Safari kids. I've got XYZ, you know, in my life that I have to deal with. And I just, I'm tapped out time-wise and just efforts and emotions and all those things. Fine. Then serve where you're at. Let it be a heart and attitude that you have that comes along and says, "Then I will do what I do in service to the Lord, to other people." And God will be able to release you and enable you, perhaps along the way, that that might change in one way or another way. You know, I never thought when I went to the hospital and I had a, in my self-righteous opinion. A quacky uh, um, psychiatrist turned to me and say, So, and uh, I mean, in my in my wondrous mindset at the time, that uh, I thought, why am I even listening to this dude? You know, he's as ungodly as you could ever be, you know, in my opinion. Okay, in my opinion, which I was way off. But anyway, <clears throat> but he asked me this question, Gary... If you could do anything with your life, what would you do? And my immediate response, and I mean immediate, was, well, I would go teaching. The next thought that came in my head is, heresy, heresy, you've got to be a pastor. And that's what went on in my head. Why? Because that's what I had in my family. We have close to 600 years of combined ministry time in our family, in Foursquare. I'm proud of that. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just proud of it, and I'm thankful for it because it's all because of him. And a grandma who came along, and she would pray pray and pray and pray and pray and say, Lord, bring the blessing into our family down to the third and fourth generations. And God honored that prayer through grandma and caused that to be. But as I sat there and I listened to this man, my mind was way off. I don't know a single cotton-picking thing he said else, you know, in, that moment, in those moments. I couldn't tell you a thing else he said because my mind was swirling now with, whoa, what did you just say? What did you mean? What, you can't do, what, oh. And when I come home, I told Kathy and told her family and so forth and they all just said, well, yeah, exactly, you are. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, I can't, I can't. My point is this. Could it be that there are times in our life where we look at ourselves and we say, okay, this is the direction of my life and it'll last forever until Jesus comes. But perhaps, perhaps God may be coming along saying, I want to adjust you and I'd like to take and move you here. Because it'll better serve what I've equipped you to be able to do and to be in your life. And you will display my glory and my honor through what you do in your obedience to me. I'm not saying that's for everybody this morning. Please don't take me wrongly. And some of you, you know, as I said, you are filled to the top with what stuff you have to do right now. The thing you do, though, is, Lord, where would you have me serve and help? Secondly, second question is this. Ask God to give you a real heart of compassion for people. You know, we can point at people ethically, culturally, economically, a lot of different directions say, eh, you know, I don't need them in my life. I just, let's avoid them. It'd be easy to do. again, Often our culture does that. We see the divisiveness of that, you know, even exemplified in the Middle East right now. Now I'm not here to try to debate who's right, who's wrong type of thing. It's just what is going on in the setting. But we see that in our neighborhood too. We have that attitude. But Jesus comes along, I believe, and says, but that will not be you. That will not be you. One last simple story, and we'll close. I was in a meeting recently with some people, and uh, it was actually a, a prayer meeting. It wasn't here, so don't worry about this being of anybody here. But a comment was made, and uh, they were referencing something that is currently happening in, our, in the United States, and they mentioned that, that uh, they were very concerned about what about the border wall and and people coming across and the immigrants and so forth like that. And the person said, I really want to pray about this. And they did. When they were done, I just immediately stepped into prayer. And again, I'm not trying to brag on anything here because this has been a work of God in my heart, okay? But God just laid on my heart and says, that's the wrong way to pray. It's the wrong way to pray. And I didn't try to correct the person. I didn't try to do anything with it. I just simply began to pray. I prayed something like this. Lord, what a privilege and an opportunity we have to minister to people that need you and need to find who you really are. God, would you give us a strategy? Would you give us a means? Would you give us a way in which we can minister to these people that are coming across the board? Rather than judging them for being here, let's minister to them the love of God and the grace of God like you gave to us. And we began to come and began to do those things rather than closing our eyes to people. Jesus came to minister. He would have minister and did minister to the religious leaders that would come to him, that would have an open heart, he ministered to them. And many of them did believe. The scripture tells us. Romans came and believed. Paul, within their their jail, had to listen to this guy preach all the time, you know, perhaps. Listen, wherever we may be at, whatever people we may be around, however we're being touched, folks are opportunities for us to touch people and minister to them with the love of God and see what the power of God does. The end of the story was about an hour later or so, that man came up to me. He said, with tears in his eyes, coming down his face, he said, Gary, thanks for what you did because I felt the Holy Spirit just come along and say, you were wrong in the way you were praying. Thank you for that correction and listening to the Holy Spirit be able to realign me and my thinking, my heart. Could it be that there are people out there right now, they're needing an adjustment, and all they need is some people say, I'm going to love you regardless of who you are, what you do, what you look like, or whatever, but I'm going to seek to love you and display to you who God is through my life. And by doing so, it may draw their hearts toward God and say, hey, I want whatever they got. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But whatever they got, I want it. And we live as people like that. So rather than being a people that say, give me what I want. Lord, what can I give to others and minister to them? Jesus, we bow before you in gratefulness for your word. Lord, it speaks so much to us as it should because we need it. We just desperately need it. Lord, however you've called us or are calling us to serve and to be a servant to others. Perhaps just starting in our own home. How can we serve one another in our own home? How can we seek to display the love of God through us to Our family members. And branching out from there, Lord, into all the other aspects of our life. How can we be those people? God, fill our hearts with a compassion for people. Not a self-righteous attitude of, hey, I'm right, you're wrong, I really don't like you, or I don't like whatever there is about you. But instead, coming to serve people and to love on them and let the power of God change them into your image. And Lord, for those of us struggling with those that may be in leadership over us, maybe it's a manager, maybe it's a supervisor, maybe it's whoever else. Lord, could we come to the place where we would lay that down before you and say, Lord, would you deal with this? Would you handle this, God? Because I don't believe it's right but I'm not sure that I'm the one to really try to correct it itself. But God, I put my trust in you to deal with it in a righteous and godly fashion, better than me. And that, Lord, we surrender that to you. Lord, we simply want to be people of your word that not just read it, but live it. God, we invite you to help us in so doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen me invite the prayer team to come up if you will and let me just close with two things one is if you're here this morning or if you're online with us and thank you for being online with us by the way and all it's a joy when i have the privilege to serve in that way of of an online pastor to communicate back and forth i it's an honor to do so but if you're on there today you're here in the audience and and you're saying okay gary i got all the stuff you've talked about and all that kind of things and the god throwing god around this place and that place But I'm not sure I really know him. Let me give you that opportunity that you can know him. You really can. He makes himself available to you, and we just want to take and offer that as well into your life and say if you'd like to open up your heart to Jesus today and all we've got a prayer team down here. They would love, they would love the privilege just to pray with you. They're not gonna twist your arms, not joining the church or whatever else like that, that's a whole separate thing, an idea. You're simply saying, God, I want to jump on board with you. and If you've got a plan for my life, God, I want to find out what it is, and I want to start living in it. And if that's what your heart is, let me encourage you just to come down to one of these people down here and be honored and happy to be of service with you and minister to you. Second thing is, I'd just like to invite you to stand. And I want to return to one of the songs that we were singing earlier, where it talked about the fact that be lifted up. Let me give you an example of a man. His name is David. And how he spoke these words at the dedication, at the beginning of the building of a temple that his son would complete and finish. And here's what he said. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Would you just receive that for you as well and say, yes, Lord, that's for me today. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this morning. Walk in the fact that God's not only with you, but he's enabling you to be all you need to be as you walk with Jesus this week. Come and join the prayer team. They'd be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you and keep you this week. In Jesus' name.